Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Transatlantic Crime. Like any minute, my mum is going to come in from work and the dog is going to go fucking ape shit. Any minute. Okay. So just prepare for that. I think, yeah, my sister <laughs> my sister might come home too, so we might hear that. <laughs> I'm just like, what a fucking shambles. I'm yeah. like on edge waiting Nobody for Nobody cares that we're podcasters. No. Why, like, where is the profession? Oh, there he goes. Can you hear that? She's not even in the house. Brilliant. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. That is shrill. <laughs> Oh, now there's going to be like Hi, five Arlo. minutes. It's going to be like five minutes of like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Just recording a podcast. Okay, I'll, I'll leave you <laughs> yeah. to it. Clang. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, my mum is a bit like a ghost snake, so I don't know if she's in or not. So I'm just, we can just carry on, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Back to it. Okay. Yeah. What have I been listening to? I've been listening to a podcast called Scam Likely. Have you seen it? Oh, yes. Yeah, and it's... I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking annoying, though, because it's on Wondery again. Like, brilliant. Again. <laughs> you have to wait for the episodes? Oh, uh, yeah, you have to wait. So I'm just going to wait, I think, and wait for it to all come out and then binge it. Like, mm. I have no self-control. So, um, but it's um, about, like, an Indian call centre where they call people who have emigrated from India to America and say like your visas mm-hmm. run your visas run out or something when you need to pay us like loads of money oh no the way they do the scam though is so weird like okay so one the call center is in india so the people have a really thick indian accent and mm. basically they give you a call first and like leave you a message saying you need to call us we're from immigration and that's how they um mm-hmm. filter out all the people that are like a bit more savvy to scams because yeah. loads of people be like, I'm not fucking calling you back. Right. But some people do. And then they go, okay, you owe us money. What you need to do is you need to put it on a Walmart card. That immigration isn't going to oh, do that. No. <laughs> but obviously, they obviously make people panic and they do it. But like, yeah. They're like, yeah, put it on a Walmart card and then give us the code to the Walmart card. It's mm. really crazy and they say to people stuff like um are you in your car yeah we'll beep your horn then and stuff <gasps> like or or we'll like be around your house tomorrow with the police like it's just the weirdest calls that they make but people fall for it and they make like six grand out of people like so is the podcast like investigative like are they trying to chase down the people that do this or are they just talking to people that this has already happened to and telling the story of it or it's a bit of everything and obviously i haven't listened to all of it but i think in the end so at the moment on the episode i'm on the fbi are looking into it so i think they do Mm, okay i think they do like crack it in the end but um the guy who presents it lived in india and then moved to england so he goes to india and he actually speaks to some people that worked in the call center 
Oh wow! Like they got really good commission. They were they went from like living in a house with all of their family to like having their own like flush apartments and like nice cars yeah. and stuff. Like they made loads of money. Yeah, they don't seem to feel that bad about it though. Like at all, it makes you. <laughs> it really makes you wonder. Like we know that that happens in India a lot. Like this the scamming type, but it seems like so many people have that job over there and it makes you wonder like is this just a normal job to them or is it I mean, is it do they make good money do they how desperate are they that they are and that they know that they're scamming people yeah and they, they i mean they make good money and they are desperate for money and there aren't like that many jobs and stuff but there's also a lot of like scams that happen in like loads of um romance scams happen from like African countries. I've noticed. Right, yeah. It's almost yeah. like each country has their own specific scam. <laughs> and, right. And like maybe we should do a scam episode. I don't know. We maybe we, we should. We haven't done one yeah, yet. Yeah, that would be really interesting. In the UK, the scams are horrible. They're like the UK yeah. scams are nearly always like bank scams. So they'll be mm -hmm, like, um, mm -hmm. oh, hi, like, we need to move your money to a higher interest account. And then you yeah. just move it and they take it all. That actually right. happened to a friend of mine. Oh, they lost wow. like a thousand pounds. Oh, my gosh. I know. Yeah, I, uh, I know that there's, there's some similar ones that happen in the UK and here because I, I remember looking for apartments when I lived in London and you know those scams where it's yeah. like, oh, you can you can't go see it, you can't move in yet, but if you put down the deposit I, and you send that. it here, and it's very similar to looking for apartments in LA, and you get you see these apartments on like Craigslist or wherever, yeah. and they're almost too good to be true well, yeah. because they look great and they're a good price, and then you contact them and then they send you something back, and and they're always like, well. I'm out of state, so you're going to have to wire the money to me. Oh, it's just all so Frankie, like... Yeah. Oh, also, I know that I know that a scam has happened to another friend of mine about the rent thing. And mm. um, they, like, went mental and were like, I'm a computer hacker, I'm going to ruin your life and stuff. And the guy was like, okay, have your money back. <laughs> That was my friend Lewis. Wow. Like, he got his money back. Oh, wow. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's crazy. I've never heard of that Me happening. Me neither. Maybe, I mean, he could be lying, but I don't think he is. <laughs> I always try and, like, mess with them a little bit, because I'll, I'll keep emailing them back and be like, oh, yeah, oh, really? I'll go see it. Or Yeah, because Everyone's I always think, like, when you're... <laughs> Mine's being well, right. No, it's not... <laughs> It's not just that. It's just like, I remember reading one time about actual hackers, like getting their revenge or yeah. whatever. And they were saying like, the more time that you take up yes. from the scammers is time that you're taking away from them actually scamming like an old That's person. True. And I always think of that when I, whenever I get like one of those scam emails. Yeah. I do respond or I'll say something and see how long I can string it along because if they're putting their attention on me, then they're not doing it to someone Rachel, else. that's like Robin Hood kind of tactics. <laughs> I would not even think to do that. That's so, it's really good of you. 
I don't know. It can be it can be fun sometimes too, though, because you can say whatever you want to string them along. Yeah, like- so I just make stuff up, like, oh yeah, I'll send you the money, but I am on a business trip right now and you know you can make up a life for yourself (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, like my my dad is um i mean for want of a better word petty and um he he Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. keeps people on the phone for ages like and stuff if he thinks they're a scammer yeah he'll do the same thing but he does it out of like pure spite that they dared to call him not for anyone else's benefit (laughs) (laughs) which i totally get but i like that too i'm just so stressed i'm like go away (laughs) get out of my life we get texts over here as well that's like your parcel couldn't be delivered oh yeah but you never ordered anything that's like the newest one Mm -hmm. And then, like, you click on it, and then they're like, oh, please, please, like, pay postage and stuff. Like, Carly's nan has called her up being like, is this real? And we're like, no, for the love of God, no. Aw. Yeah. Don't do it. It's good to call, though. Yeah. If you're not sure, ask someone. That's right. good practice. Ask a friend. Ask a right. friend. Ne- never just do things in a rush. And people steal your fucking money. That's the last thing we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a podcast that I listen to sometimes called Scam Goddess. And she gets oh. into all those kinds, all different kinds of scams. She'll just, every that. week, she'll tell a story of different kinds of scams. Um, one that I recently found out about is, it's more targeted towards men. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you're on a dating app, men get a lot of, like, really hot women yeah. interested in them. Yeah. And then they'll start talking, and then they'll be like, oh, I want to come see you tonight but I need you to send me money for an Uber. So can you send me X amount of cash and I'll come meet you? And then that's another scam that's been happening a lot. That's kind of believable. Do you know what I mean? Like... It is, yeah. I feel like I could do that scam. If I needed, (laughs) if I needed, like, I don't know, 50 quid desperately, I could probably make that happen. Right. I'm not gonna, but I could. (laughs) <laughs> you know? No. <laughs> Don't do it. No. Ladies. This isn't but a ti- this isn't a yeah, tip line for scams. <laughs> yeah. But you're kind of you're taking advantage of like A someone's desperation to have sex. Like <laughs> if you're gonna meet up with someone that night, like one. But two, like there's also a gentlemanly aspect to Chivalry, it. Chivalry, yeah. You're you're paying for their lift ride. A lot of men like enjoy treating women and being chivalrous and being like yeah. it's okay i got this like right. i know i know a few men like that that are like they find it gentlemanly to do that and i, don't, I never take advantage of it right i don't know for example like i know it's not romantic but like my brother ben like we're 12 mm. years apart so he's like 40 something and he won't let me pay yeah. for stuff when we're out right. because i'm his right. little sister yeah. so he's like i've got more money than you yeah clearly i'm paying for your stuff yeah it just kind of yeah i just know a lot of people that are like that still even though it's kind of old-fashioned i guess yeah and it's and i think people who are scamming men to do that are taking advantage of that like you're giving a, a man an opportunity to like treat you yeah 
Yeah. And that's that's it as well. That's part of it, I Just think. Just go on sugardaddies.com. So. Like, they'll treat you because they want to. <laughs> yeah. They can, exactly. They'll do it voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, we got that program that you had. Oh, I was going to talk about that, actually. My, you know, my friend that I was watching that with, yeah. what is it called again? Oh, I killed my dad. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. So she suggested a podcast called To Live and Die in LA. Have you listened to that? Yep. It's really good. It's really good. And I've been binging that. And I just wanted to bring that up as something that I've been listening to. Mm-hmm. And there's two seasons now, so you can definitely <gasps> oh. binge it. You don't have to wait for episodes. I didn't know there was another season. That's exciting. Really? Okay, good. Yeah, the first one is like... the. The guy, Neil, uh, what's his name? Neil Strauss, I think. He's a journalist. He's literally solving a case in real time. Yeah. It's nuts. It is like, uh, who, oh, this is so annoying. Is it like the full, the full line or there was a podcaster who yeah. quite literally solved like the murder of a teacher. She was, she was called like Tara something, um, I can't remember. Is that the one in Australia? No, but they also solved it. Like, oh. so many podcasts are some <laughs> shit. It's crazy. But this is like, this is so, it's a little bit more real-timey because it's literally like the week after this woman goes missing yeah. that the journalist starts looking into it and he's discovering, he's talking to people. He's talking to people before the police even do. Yeah. Which is crazy. So, I would recommend that. Yeah, like, and without a, without being a spoiler, like, you do not realize how much your technology tracks you. Mm, uh, I know. I When he talks about that, I immediately went and did that. The Google, what's it called? Google uh, Takeaway? Yeah. Where you can see, you could track everything that you've done. Yeah, how crazy is I that? I went and did that. <laughs> that is crazy. I know. It's, it's kind of like, it's comforting to know if you ever go missing yeah. talissa if i ever go missing go to my google takeaway know, right? and look into it i should put <laughs> our passwords in our docs and then if we go missing mm. we can like solve each other's murders <laughs> okay <laughs> okay sounds yeah, good safety first okay yeah. so should we get into the episode this week yeah, although you were going to talk about I Killed My Dad, yes. the Netflix show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, the, you know, I said, oh, why haven't we got that yet? Literally two days later, we had it. So I got an email yeah. saying, like, you I mean, have it. same. And we- then a listener. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, we didn't end up watching it because we had seen the trailer and we were like, oh, that looks really good. And then when we went to go watch it, it said, oh, this isn't out till Tuesday. So, I didn't end up watching what? it. You've watched it before me. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so annoying. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you you haven't watched it at all. I haven't watched it. Okay. So, uh, it's about a well, it's about a boy that killed his dad, obviously, and the whole mm-hmm. program goes through. I don't think I've actually finished it, but it it goes through like the relation, the very weird relationship that they had, and whether it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like is coercive control and is abuse and is like years of abuse mm. uh, mm-hmm. 
a reasonable excuse for s murdering someone. <laughs> like, just snapping. Yeah, right. Which happens a lot, as you can imagine. Like, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it kind of goes through that. I haven't quite finished it yet. And the guy is... He doesn't seem... The son doesn't seem, like, all there. He's really, like, okay. disconnected. Maybe in... Um, like an Asperger's way or an autistic way or an undiagnosed something. But he doesn't have mm -hmm. like the most normal affect when it comes to talking to camera okay. and stuff and explaining himself and his reasons for his actions. It's very, very right. weird. Um, it's a really good watch though. Okay. Like I definitely recommend it. Oh, good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna watch it. I'm I just trying. didn't get to watch it that night. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I watched... Our Father, yeah. which is about the guy who, he was a doctor and oh, he that is so inseminated a bunch of women, like over a hundred women. Uh-huh. Which... With his own sperm. Uh, like, can you not? With his own sperm. He was a, a infertility doctor and a lot of the women thought that they were getting their husband's sperm or they were getting a donor's sperm. And instead, it was just him going in the next room, uh, extracting his own sperm in the way is that the you would. Extracting the nicest way you could possibly have said that. <laughs> but you don't want to think. You don't want to think about it. You don't want to think about your doctor doing I that don't in think the about next anyone room, doing which that. is what all the. <laughs> no, exactly. But he did that, and he did it in this small town, which it, all these people were figuring out that they were siblings and yeah. that they were related, which is the worst part of it. Oh my god, it's um, so, gross. Yeah, it is gross, and I would recommend that documentary. There's a podcast about it as well that I listened to before I watched the program, or before they decided to make a TV show about it. Right. Like, I was, um, I can't remember what, what the name of the podcast is. It's on our social media um because i was like what can i listen to that isn't like too true crimey there's not like no one dies but there's also a yeah. uh interesting and there's like an element of real life to it and i came across this podcast yeah. and again i can't remember the name it's on our socials it's about it's about the whole business of sperm donation and mm, how okay they choose somebody and how it's really expensive but also if, there's like whole communities on Facebook where they do it for free or they say oh, oh some weird guys go on there and go yeah I'll do it but it has to be natural insemination aka uh, no. I sleep with you and some of these women are like lesbians and they're like yeah. no even if I wasn't a lesbian no <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah so there's just some creeps on there that try and get in there just to impregnate um, women it does it, it seems like another wild west situation like even the our father documentary just kind of says like like now when you are going to an infertility clinic and you want to get a donor you have like you could go onto a website and you can read someone's bio yeah. and you can look at, uh, at their picture and see what they look like Back in the 80s and when this doctor was doing it or earlier, it was like they just had books of people and they would walk across the street to the where the doctors in training were working and they'd ask for a sample and then they'd come back because also they didn't have areas like refrigerators yeah. for... It had to be fresh. Oh, so, gosh. It makes me feel sick. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
so much spunk. <laughs> it's come a long way, but it sounds like from the podcast you're listening to, it's still kind of the Wild West where men are just like, oh, I'll do it. Let me just come to your house and impregnate you. Like, there's not a yeah. lot of regulation still. No, and there's a lot of guys, there, there's a guy in this particular podcast who went to prison. He got in loads of trouble because he was saying to the woman, like, okay, yeah, like, come to my... And these women are really desperate to get pregnant. That's all they want mm, in the world. Yeah. And they feel like time is running right. out because maybe they're a bit older. So they're like, yeah. shit, I only get one chance a month. And if that doesn't work, mm. then one month is gone. So, I, you know, they, right. they're put into, like, backed into a corner. And yeah. th so they go to some guy's house and then he'll, like, start touching their leg and they're like, whoa, that wasn't what this was about. Like, I came to yeah. meet you. And, uh, yeah, it's That's just... sad. Also, me and Carly were saying, <laughs> can you imagine if the roles were switched over? On what planet would a woman go, there needs to be a billion of me. <laughs> I'm just gonna breed a billion of me yeah that's so true I've never thought about that there is that what is it's a certain complex that men have where they're like I need to spread my seed but women don't have that do they maybe they do but it's very rare yeah I mean maybe it's because obviously spunking in a cup is quite ple pleasurable and instant and having a baby isn't but i mean let's just say <laughs> having a baby is nine months yeah. of pain and anguish yeah. and after that too <laughs> yeah that's true yeah but um again good but then I, as i said it ruined my algorithm and then i got some sort of instagram oh, like no. advert for like spunk and i was like oh my god no <laughs> no thank you oh yeah the internet is watching us at all times, and it knows it really is. when I'm looking up these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think that with that we should get into our episode. We've we've talked enough about spunk today to get into our I'm done. episode. Jizz. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so our episode this week is from last week uh, about the mega wealthy yeah i'm excited for the american version of this because i don't know what had, it is yeah i had so many options and there were famous ones too like robert durst or the menendez mm -hmm. brothers or there's a lot of rich people over there there's just a lot uh, another one that i didn't think of that i would love to do at some point is um hh holmes yeah, he was he basically rich? built a murder house? He was, I mean, he built a murder house. So did he, he just was steal people, dead rich. people's money? Is that how he got rich? I, I'm not sure. Actually, maybe I'll rich? do. Maybe I should have done that you this should. week well, we'll to find these out. Things. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll do it next time. Okay. Um, but this week the story is about Alan Blackthorne. He was a rich man. He, yeah, that's, and that's why I did it too, because I wanted to do a story that wasn't really, we didn't really know about. So, okay, let's talk about him. So, Sheila Lee Walsh was born on October 19th, 1962, in Topeka, Kansas. Sheila had somewhat of a rough childhood. Her dad was killed in the Vietnam War, and mm. not long after, her brother committed suicide, and she also had 
a sister who also died as a baby. So it was just her and her mom for quite a while. Yeah, sad. So it wouldn't really be a surprise when she was 19 years old and she met 27-year-old Alan Blackthorne, who was a millionaire after he had made a bunch of money by inventing and selling medical equipment. Inventing is in quotes because it just sounds like he, from the get-go, he was a con artist. He was very manipulative. He, uh, they think that he had discovered, again, in quotes, Mm -hmm. this uh, piece of equipment that helped you, um, it helped muscles, like, I'm not really sure how to describe it, but it, it, like, gave a jump to muscles or something like that, and it, and it would, like, massage it or something like that, so it helped in a lot of different medical, um, physical rehabilitation. Yeah, so what, like, if you're in bed for a long time, it'll, like, make sure you don't get, like, muscular dystrophy. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, I think it was down that route. So it was a, there was okay. a lot of different avenues that he could sell it to, and that's how he made his money. But he was also kind of a sketchy businessman anyway. He had a lot of different businesses that he tried to get going, and he just it sounds like he just stumbled upon this medical thing, and that's where he made his millions. Yeah, I mean, if it's too complicated to even explain, then it's probably worth a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way <laughs> yeah. I see it. So they met, she was 19, he was 27. Not long after they met in 1982, the two got married. They had three dates and they got married. Nice. That was easy. And this was not, yeah, this was not something that was out of the norm for Blackthorn. He was 27 years old at this point. And by that point, he had already been twice divorced. Well, I always think that like half of marriages is money. Because it costs so much to get married. that That's why celebrities get married quick. Because they're like, fuck it. It doesn't matter the cost. Like, I think about that too. Like, it's fun to have a big party. And if you're a celebrity, then a nice you could just ring. have... Yeah, get a nice engagement ring. Have People Magazine pay for your wedding. And yeah. you get to have this wedding paid for. And it's amazing. And then when you want to break up, all you have to do is move to your apartment and... <laughs> set up the divorce and that's it like easy (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so blackthorn he was already twice divorced which i think is a huge red flag at 27 years old yeah i mean what what year is this 1982 Mm, it's still a red flag then yeah (laughs) it's what do you mean when would it not be well i just mean like i don't know maybe in like the 50s when someone died in the war but then he's a man so oh yeah no yeah. still a no <laughs> well what happened to Sheila is pretty much an example of why he was divorced he was a huge manipulator he uh, well I'll just read this next little bit mm-hmm. so their marriage lasted five years and the couple had two daughters Stevie and Daryl mm-hmm. which I think is really cute when when you name a girl with kind of boy's name. I love it. Stevie and Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. But it was not a happy marriage. Sheila soon found out that Blackthorn was manipulative and physically abusive, not just to her, but to those around him. So there was proof that he was abusive to his ex-wives. And also there was a point in their marriage where 
He was driving their sports car. Sheila was in the car with him. And he got annoyed by some cyclists. And he sped up and crashed into them and he killed them. And oh god, he was completely non no emotions wow. around it. And he, he told the police that they were the ones that challenged him to a race and that it, it was an accident because they crashed into him. Oh my god. And Sheila knew the truth. So that's a huge red what flag. What the fuck do you do with that information? Yeah. Well, it just kind of shows what kind of environment that she was in where he, he was a violent man, yeah. but she couldn't leave straight away because they already had two daughters and she was trying to leave and he was abusive to her. But by 1987, five years into their marriage, Sheila had had enough after a particularly bad time when Blackthorne had accused Sheila of cheating and spending too much of his money. He had beaten her with a belt, no. and he claimed that she would never walk again. So she eventually escaped. She hid in a church basement for several days, no. and then she took her two young daughters to California. He found them, and then he was arrested for assault, and Sheila was then able to ask for a divorce. Oh my God. So five years of that. Once they split up, Sheila worked hard to create a life of her own and for her daughters. She found a great job and she fought for custody and child support from Blackthorne in the years following the divorce. So during that time, police were called to Blackthorne's house many times to mediate family disturbances between the two because she would call the police because she felt unsafe when she was trying to sort out money or whatever between Blackthorne and the daughters. Sheila at one point even had Blackthorne arrested for sexually abusing their daughter Stevie, a charge that he denies. Fuck you. He was also able to manipulate their other daughter to accuse Sheila of abusing her, and eventually all those charges were dropped because it just got to be too much, and they God. were the daughters were in the middle of it. A mess. In the middle of all this turmoil, Sheila met Jamie Belouche, a medical sales rep. He had money too, which was nice. Uh, soon after, they were married in 1993. She was long divorced by mm. then, but Blackthorne was still around making life hell. He doesn't for seem them. like the kind of guy that would just fuck off. No. Okay, so Sheila Belouche won custody of the couple's two daughters and the black and alan blackthorne agreed to have nothing to do with his daughter's lives ever again relinquishing himself as the father and i think jamie her new husband ended up adopting the two daughters oh i hope he's nice the love of god please be nice <laughs> He seems like a very lovely man. Okay. There is, I think it was a New York Times article where they interview him and he's just, I mean, he's devastated by what happened. Oh. And um, it's just that they were just trying to create a new life, which we'll, we'll hear a little bit about. Okay. So even though Blackthorne gave up custody to his daughters, he basically said, I'll never, I'll have nothing to do with them. He still kept tabs on them, and he still kept tabs on Sheila. And this time, he was throwing all of his money towards stalking Sheila. He would hire a private investigator, and he threw lawsuits at her and Jamie constantly. I think one of the lawsuits was, like, 
unfair uh, child support demands. Like he was like trying to get repercussion for like past child support that he paid. And now that he wasn't the father anymore, then he was bringing up lawsuits. And they were just trying to live life. They were just trying to move on. So eventually the family moved in secret to Florida in the middle of the night. They just upped and left because they didn't want him to find out where they were. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they did that in 1997. And they were happy for a while. Jamie and Sheila had quadruplets. And Sheila was happily dubbed (laughs) the quad mom. She became kind of a little celebrity because she was mom of four kids that was just like natural conception quadruplets i'm not sure because usually usually like multiple births are like sorry to go back to fucking jizz again but like multiple births are <laughs> usually um ivf aren't they but they i mean they can be they can be just a normal thing but yeah wow four yeah babies exactly wow. four yeah <laughs> Meanwhile, Blackthorn, he was just sitting at his home simmering in anger and he played golf constantly because what else are you going to do with your money than just play golf? (laughs) And he had a gambling friend named Daniel Rocha and he would talk to him about all the stuff that was going on and he kind of convinced Daniel that Sheila was abusing their daughters and that he needed to figure out a way of like getting them back and getting custody again um eventually he manipulated one of his daughters to give up part of their new address in florida no No. and things took a turn when blackthorn hired another private investigator to track down the rest of the address and then he went to his gambling buddy daniel to help him find a hitman oh Rocha approached San Antonio golf course bag boy Samuel Gonzalez to find someone for the job. Gonzalez asked his cousin, 24-year-old Jose Del Toro. For his part, Blackthorn offered Rocha a partnership in a golf course development and possibly $400,000 loan for a sports bar. That's a crappy offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a it's a big chunk. Yeah. <laughs> The hitman would be paid $54,000 plus a bonus if Blackthorn regained custody of the girls who had been adopted by Sheila Belusha's second husband, Jamie. How on earth would you gain custody? You've already given up your parent, like, parental rights. Yeah, exactly. He's deluded. One article that I did read, though, was that he had so much money that he was yeah, able to true. hire really good lawyers, and he did yeah. that for whatever happened after. Um, On November 7th, 1997, Jose Del Toro traveled to Sarasota. It was about a thousand mile journey in a car registered to his grandmother with the intention of just assaulting Sheila. So that was what the payment was for. That was what he allegedly had been hired to do, just assault her. He stopped at a sports authority store to obtain camouflage clothes and at a gas station for directions to the address that Rocha gave. Uh, While he asked for directions, there was a witness. I assume that it was the person he asked directions from who just memorized Mm. the guy's license plate. He memorized Del Toro's license plate. Well done, then. So that's just a, yeah, note for later. Mm. 
Del Toro continued to the Sarasota home where he broke in and he saw Sheila with the quadruplets. He was about to leave. This is in his words. He saw how much of a good mother Mm. she was. And so he was like, I can't do this. And he was about to leave. But Sheila noticed that the door was open. And then she noticed him standing there. Del Toro stated... I was about to say, how did she even see him? He had his camouflage on. He must be invisible now. What is the point of that? What is the point of camouflage? You're probably in the suburbs somewhere. That's going to point you out more than anything. Bush. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, Del Toro stated that he couldn't run, so instead he shot Belush in the face with a 45 caliber gun, and then he slit her throat. And this was oh. in full view of the quadruplets, who were all babies. Oh, shit. Her body was found a few hours later by Sheila's 13-year-old daughter, Stevie, when she returned home from school. The quadruplets had oh. been walking around in Sheila's blood, leaving small footprints all over the crime scene. They also had blood on them, like on their clothes. And well, on- that's nightmare fuel. It is. Obviously, there's a 911 call from Stevie, and she's, I mean, how you would expect. She's just distraught. And she also did an interview not too long after this. Also, she was 13 years old, and she's talking about how the babies were crying, and she was like, where is my mom? I don't, like, she would never just leave the babies to cry in a room. And she's wandering around the house looking for her mom. And she didn't even realize that her mom was laying there right where the babies were. Um, so, yeah. Um, sev- this is another sad point. Several of the quadruplets were wearing life vests, which Sh- Sheila would put on them if she had to, like, change one of the baby's diapers and she had to leave the other three alone because they had a pool and she didn't want them to just wander off and fall into the oh pool, God, so she was so just well prepared. Put... Yeah, exactly. So just to say, like she was an amazing mom, um, yeah. and so that's how they were found. They had their life jackets on as well. Oh, so cute. Jose Del Toro fled to Mexico after committing the murder. He was captured when the person, when the witness who had seen Del Toro memorized the license plate, and they were at, they were able to track down his whereabouts. As soon as they captured him, Del Toro, he, he just told the truth almost immediately to investigators. And then he, along with Blackthorn and then the other two men, um, Rocha and Gonzalez, uh, they were all arrested and charged. Trial came to pass about three years later in July 2000. Del Toro, he went up first. He was found guilty for first-degree murder and armed burglary charges. Mm-hmm. Uh, he apologized, saying that he didn't want to put the family through another trial, so he just said he was guilty straight away. Least he can fucking do. Yeah, exactly. Also, he was only 24, so I feel like that's that's just a young... He must have been desperate for the money to have done this. It, I, I'll never understand how hitmen think they're going to get away with it. Yeah. You're using your fucking grandma's car <laughs> for a start. I know. That can't be... You're an like, idiot. Use your own car. Get a rental. Do something. Steal a car. If you're yeah. willing to kill someone, why aren't you willing to steal a car? Yeah. 
moron. At trial, he said, I have received mercy, maybe not from you or anybody in the courtroom, but from God Almighty. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Circuit Judge Paul Logan then gave Del Toro two consecutive life sentences, the maximum penalty for both charges. So he's still in prison today. The other two men, Gonzalez and Rojas, they pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder in June 1998, and Gonzalez got a plea bargain. He was sentenced to 19 years in prison. Rocha opted to go to trial instead, and he was convicted of first-degree murder in January 1999, along with, because of Gonzalez's and Del Toro's testimony, obviously, they were like, well, yeah, you did this. What are you going to trial for, you idiot? <laughs> I think he thought, like, well, I didn't do a murder, that's not how the law works. <laughs> yeah. He received a life sentence. Well, that backfired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alan Blackthorne was convicted of federal charges of interstate conspiracy to commit murder because uh, he was in Texas, I believe, and this was in Florida, mm -hmm. and interstate domestic violence. He received two concurrent life sentences without the Good. possibility of parole, starting at the Beaumont, Texas Federal Prison. I thought you were going to say two years. No. I was like, please no. In 2001, Blackthorne was nearly killed during an attack by a prison gang, after which he was segregated from the general prison population and eventually transferred to a Florida facility. So that was in 2001. I imagine he was being an up-his-own-ass dick. Oh, and yeah. somebody was like, in prison? No way. <laughs> Not accepted here. Yeah. Or I kind of had a mind that he did something in order for him to be removed and gone to a nicer prison. That I would believe that, too. He was such a manipulator. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the 59-year-old died in the federal prison in Terre Haute, Indiana, 14 years after he was handed his two life sentences. Officials never released his cause of death. We, we don't know how Whoa. he died. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I'm 59, too. 59 years old. Yeah. That could, I mean, he wouldn't have killed himself. He was, like, far too up his own ass to do that. Right. Right. So... so. That's a question. Ooh, Big question conspiracy. mark. Conspiracy. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find too much of what happened to Stevie and Daryl. They're adults now, obviously. They're not too much older than us. But the quadruplets, Tim, Frank, Joe, and Courtney, are <gasps> <No>! all... <laughs> they appear to have spent a good portion of their lives growing up in Alabama, which is where their, their Jamie's family was. And it seems like it seems like they've had a pretty good life with their dad. And that no. is the story of the murder of Sheila Belouche. Oh, Sheila. And yeah. the quadruplets. Yeah, they were a beautiful family. I am really emotional, like, lately, because yeah. it's 33 degrees here. And, like, I just can't cope. Oh, my gosh. So I'm about that... to burst into tears at anything. <laughs> That's, I mean, me too, for many reasons. I'm very emotional these days. But 
I should mention, I am in Ireland right now, and we are also in a very similar heat wave to England. Are you? I was going to ask you about the weather. I was like, if it is, I was like, if it is 16 degrees over there, I'm coming for your ass because I cannot bear this any longer. <laughs> no, it's very similar. And it's funny because my sister keeps saying like, oh, it's so hot here. Oh, I can't bear it. Oh, I don't want to. Oh, I yeah, have to take the bus. lizard Rachel Pelzer <laughs> gives a shit. But yeah, I was like, I like, this is completely normal for me and I'm totally fine in it. And I'm walking around and everyone's just like, oh, I hate this heat. I can't do it. It's so terrible. So I'm sat on (laughs) hot water bottles that my mum filled with water and put in the freezer. (laughs) Oh, and I've got a fan on me and there's a fan on the ceiling. And, and they, this was like, this thing that I've been sat on was frozen when we started. And an hour later, it's warm. <laughs> it's a fucking joke, mate. It's just funny Disgusting. because I, when my sister was like, oh, it's so hot here. In my mind, I was like, just turn on the AC. But then I realized it's there not a thing any. here. <laughs> there isn't any. <laughs> yeah, like somebody on a group on Facebook was like, why do English people hate air conditioning? And I'm like, we don't hate it. We'd love it, mate. But we just don't have it. Like, there's no there's point. Just, it would get- there's no point when it's two weeks of the year where it's 90 degrees or what is it, 40, 30 degrees? I don't know, Celsius. Yeah. It's yeah. 33 degrees today and it's going to be 37 at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so glad I'll be dead when this global warming <laughs> thing really come- kicks in because I can't bear it now. <laughs> oh, well... Yeah, that's the episode for this week. (laughs) Great. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, I hope you're not too hot. And by the time this comes out, hopefully it'll be a fucking human temperature where we live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening. And will we have an episode next week? I'm not sure because I might be traveling. So just there might... not 100%. So we're leaving you hanging on that one. We're leaving you hanging, but thanks for sticking with us so far. (laughs) like we're treating you mean keeping you keen but we do love you (laughs) (laughs) all right right. bye Uh, bye thanks for listening to transatlantic crime this week if you liked what you heard please rate review and subscribe and if you'd like to follow us on social media you can find us on twitter at transat crime pod instagram at transatlantic crime and on facebook with transatlantic crime podcast thanks bye